I'm Haley Oaks, and this is Milk Trails, a journey in the out-of-hospital birth experience. Allie is a mother of two and shares her experience of having an HBAC, home birth after cesarean. In the U.S., more and more birthing folks with a prior cesarean are seeking out home birth. In response to a denial of hospital-based care for a VBAC, aka vaginal birth after cesarean, to avoid having an unnecessary cesarean, and lastly, to avoid repeating a previously traumatic experience in the hospital. In Allie's case, it was for all of these reasons. She discusses her first birthing experience with me, the postpartum grief and healing that took place, and the courage to do it again in a way that felt true to her motherly and bodily instincts. Hi, Haley. Thank you for having me. Um, so for our listeners, a little background. Um, Allie was a client at the birth center where I worked as one of the midwives, and she's also a birth photographer and had witnessed quite a few births prior to giving birth to her first child. Um, so Allie, you plan to give birth the first time in a birth center. Tell me about your decision in choosing an out-of-hospital birth, and and what did you envision for this first experience and how did you feel like a birth center would, would fit that? The birth center was kind of the choice because I really wanted a home birth, but my husband felt more comfortable at a birth center, which is very common. I've learned (laughs) it felt like this middle ground for some reason. And, um, yeah, we, we, that's why we chose a birth center and kind of just met in the middle And I really did want a natural experience and I wanted that birth center vibe and the support you get out of a birth center. So that's kind of, we ended, that's how we ended up there. Amazing. What, what about a home birth for you? Like, how did you, how did you get exposed to the option of home birth? Was it going to birth as a photographer or like, what about being outside of the hospital really appealed to you? So as a birth photographer, I mostly attended births in the hospital. I would say 99% of the births I've been to have been in the hospital. And I would say rarely was it a birth that I saw could be something that was for me. I, I would say never have I been to a hospital birth where it felt this is how we're supposed to have our babies, <laughs> in my opinion, in my, in for me, you know, and I think the hospital is the right place for a lot of people. Uh, it was not the right place for me to have a baby and not what I envisioned. And so attending so many births in the hospital, I really just knew for myself, the moment I got pregnant, it was going to be something different for sure. And um, yeah, I hadn't even attended a whole lot of home births. And so I wanted to make that special for myself. Amazing. So from what I remember as, as one of your midwives at the birth center, you really, in preparing for your first birth, you really inherently trusted the birth process and really Mm -hmm. wanted to do almost like a, an unassisted assisted Mm -hmm. birth. Mm -hmm. Um, so tell me more about that and like, you know, yeah, just your, your feelings around that. I mean, I remember even down to like, not that many cervical exams or even keeping like a certain, you know, space around you when Mm -hmm. the baby was coming out. Um, so that really like, it would be you, it's your birthing experience, which is such an amazing you know, sort of preference, I would say. Not a lot of birthing people kind of want that. So it was amazing. Yeah, I just like envisioned 
the women that had to do it by themselves in different places around the world. And I just thought we're meant to be able to do it by ourselves, and we don't need any help necessarily. Um, I needed the support. I needed the, the physical support a lot during my first birth, surprisingly so. And the mental support more than I even know now, I needed more mental support my first go around, but I just, I wanted to have as much control as I could. And I wanted to have, I wanted to feel it all. And I wanted to deliver my own baby and catch my own baby. And I wanted to have this space around us so that I could just share that moment. Those first first moments are so, and I know now how precious those first moments are now that I got to have that kind of experience the second time around. And um, just having distance and space so that me and my husband could kind of share in the first moments of meeting our daughter at that point. We didn't know it was a daughter at that point. Um, yeah, it was just, I wanted it to be special and I wanted to, um, not be kind of bogged down by lots of hands or checking things and just to like really trust in birth and really trust in me. And that's what I was really hoping to have for sure. That first time around. So you labored, for some time at the birth center, and then you ended up transferring to the hospital where you had a surgical birth. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, yeah, I just want to hear more about that experience. At what point did you transfer? Was it your decision? How did you how did you cope with that transition? Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I labored for a while at home, and then at the birth center, we labored for maybe like six, seven hours, and started to go into transition. Uh, and that really, I just wasn't ready for it. I wasn't physically ready. I wasn't mentally ready. It hit me so hard and I wasn't coping well with the discomfort of surges. And I remember my doula at the time was like, let's make a change. Let's get out of the tub and go on the toilet. And I remember it being so much harder on the toilet and it really, and even now, I will say birth and getting to the end was so mental and is so mental that I really checked out at the birth center and I couldn't keep up with it mentally. I got really scared and overwhelmed by the intensity and I had, um, I was checked. I can't even remember the midwife who was there. (laughs) What her name was. Okay. So she checked me and I was eight centimeters. And when she said that, it was really discouraging also because she was like, you're eight centimeters. Stop bearing down. Cause I had started bearing down at that point. Mm. And, um, which is not abnormal to feel some pressure at eight centimeters. Um, and so it was just, there was a combination of me really feeling overwhelmed by the intensity and her kind of making me feel really discouraged as well in her language with me. And I really, I went in like total flight response. It was like, I, I flew so fast out of that birth center. And I was like, I want to go to the hospital. I want to get an epidural. I need to rest. And in my head, I was like, I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to get an epidural. I'm going to take a nap. And then my baby's going to come out. Naturally. Yes. That's what I was like, I'll just do that. That actually sounds when you're, you know, going from eight to 10 centimeters, that sounds really lovely. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that was the goal to go to the hospital, get an epidural and take a nap. And so that's kind of where my head went. I really, I went into flight mode. I went into total flight mode and I escaped and we ran as fast as possible to the hospital. I remember when I got into the hospital, 
I know I've seen enough birth. I knew what was going to need to happen. I knew I was going to need fluids. I was going to need IVs. I was going to need to get into a gown. So when I walked into the hospital, once I got to L&D, I was naked before I even got into the room. My clothes were off. I was, I knelt down on the floor. I put my arms out onto the bed and I said like, do your, like get my IV in. I know I need to get through fluids. I know you can squeeze that bag and make it go faster. I just wanted an epidural so bad. And she had to check me. So I got, so when I got to the hospital, I was like nine and a half centimeters. And I was like, this is perfect. This is a perfect time to get this epidural and take a nap. She's going to come right out shortly. I'll just sleep for like two hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And that didn't end up, that's not, that's not the path that she took. And that was not meant for her. And I got to the hospital at 7am and at midnight that night, I had an, I had a C-section 17 hours later, which is a very abnormal path to having your baby. Very strange. Um, A lot of things I contribute to that scenario that took place is her positioning, I think was really an issue um, for sure. Cause I was nine and a half centimeters for a really long time. And also I was not meant to have a baby in a hospital and I got there at nine and a half centimeters. I transitioned in the car on the way over and then everything kind of stopped when I got there. And I feel like I was not meant to walk into that door. I really feel like when I look back on her whole birth, I was not meant to walk out my front door Mm. and should have stayed home and had her. And um, yeah, I mean, it was wild. I'm really grateful for the time that the midwives at that hospital gave me because a lot of places would not have let me go 17 hours (laughs) for sure. Mm -hmm. And I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her positioning, her, the epidural interventions, all sorts of things, you know, led to a very unnecessary C-section 17 hours after I got there. Wow. Did you get to pushing or was it just like, this is still. I did. Okay. I did get to pushing. I pushed, I did get to pushing. I pushed for four hours. That was like the cap they gave me, um, was four hours of pushing, but I wasn't in a place to push. It was really early. It was really preemptive to push. She had to move my cervix a little bit for me to push at the very start of it. And I pushed for four hours and my daughter scout never moved. She stayed in the same station. She was in the same position for the whole four hours, barely budged. And, um, though like the part of this, that birth that really sits with me and is a lot of trauma I carry with it is when I got into the OR, which for VBAC moms is a really scary place for anyone having a C-section. It's really overwhelming. But I, and I've been to a lot of C-sections. I've attended a lot and photographed a lot. Uh, when you're laying on that table yourself, it's incredibly intense. But I remember laying on the the OR table and right before he cut into me, I, for the first time, felt the urge to push, push mm. right before he cut. I looked at the anesthesiologist and I said, now I need to push. Like, I feel like I need to push now. And, um, she looked at me and was like, well, um, your medicine's about to go into your body and you're not going to feel it anymore. And I was like, okay, well I'm pushing like everybody. And, and I got really silenced and it was really loud and people were busy working. And I was like, hello, I'm pushing. Can somebody check her? And they turned up the medication and, um, you know, barely waited for my husband to start cutting into me. But, um, that moment sits with me so much. Cause I'm like, I, I was so, when I planned for my birth, I was so intuitive and I 
really just connected with Scout and I felt like I'll know when to push and I'll know what to do. And um, you'll see with my second birth, like it was so opposite and I did know when to push and I did get to have all of that back. I took all of that back, all of that control, all of that intuitiveness came back to me. But um, yeah, so I did push for four hours and then had a C-section. Yeah, wow. it's crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> so crazy. And it's like, of course, the moment in which you you know, agree to like do the the most far opposite thing you could think of is the moment that like the body opens up that last little bit and then the baby drops in your pelvis. Like that's, you know, unfortunately not the first time I've heard, you know, another mom I know, you know, was wing the wheel down and that's when she felt the pressure to or you know, the urge didn't say anything and, you know, but um, it's just, it's so, yeah. It's yeah, like, it's it's like so heartbreaking and I feel like a lot of um C-section moms have moments that are very triggering and bring a lot of trauma for them and that was definitely a moment for me that's like really really challenging. Mm-hmm. And I we always and that and even if you had a vaginal birth that didn't go away, you wanted to it. We always carry these what ifs and a lot of my what ifs is what if I would have waited one more hour? If I would have waited one more hour, I would have felt the urge to push in the labor and delivery room and not in the OR. If I would have, you know, pushed an hour later or whatever your what ifs are, you know, you sit with those for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I still sit with them because I still feel a lot of guilt for the birth experience Scout got to have and that I didn't get to hold her right away. And um, I was with a physician who was not super happy that I was pushing, you know, saying no to everything he was trying to tell me. Um, you know, I fought everything tooth and nail. I signed four AMAs when I was in the hospital. I was like, no, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> so they were already really frustrated with me. But um, yeah, I feel really a lot of guilt and shame about her birth, especially because I am a birth worker. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that to work through over the last few years. But um, yeah, lots of what ifs, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I find that it's, it's, there is that added pressure of being a birth worker, especially when you've seen it, but also you have, you have this knowledge that's now like in your body, like mm-hmm. after having seen it and there's this extra pressure, but, you know, for the births whose outcomes aren't as intended or expected, it's like, but now as a birth worker, you have that much more empathy and understanding mm-hmm. for births that, you know, may not have been the case had you had this like, you know, yeah. forced out unassisted birth. Um, and, you know, recovering from surgery is obviously major emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, but you can't always process the grief that comes with you know a traumatic birth experience or an unintended birth experience when you have a newborn demanding mm-hmm. all of your time and attention so how did you navigate that and what did you do for support and postpartum was for sure really rough I mean it was a nightmare um the trauma from the c-section and like the unplanned c-section what hit really hard immediately in postpartum there was a lot of crying, a lot of what ifs, a lot of questioning myself, a lot of just being really angry with myself, knowing that I didn't need to have a C-section and what, what did I do? You know, I felt like me leaving the birth center and blamed myself and all these things trickled down and 
just how did I get to that place? But, um, yeah, it was, it was rough. It was really, really rough. And it was also my first baby. So I was like kind of confused and under, not understanding what was normal and what was not normal. And it didn't really take very long that I figured out I needed some extra assistance and help. I started uh, therapy very quickly, just a couple months postpartum, immediately started to try to process that birth and why I was feeling the way I was. And a lot of it was around like, I'm a birth worker and there was a lot of shame. And so I was really working through a lot of that. Um, I felt embarrassed to like share Mm -hmm. that birth and to share that story because it felt so unnecessary. And so, yeah, I did therapy. I did EMDR uh, therapy and just regular talk therapy with someone who actually has had VBACs and um, vaginal and C-section births herself. So that was really nice. And um, I did that for a really long time. I did it until I got um, pregnant with Arbor. Mm. And um, it was a process. It's still a process. I still need to work through some of that stuff. But I will say Arbor's birth definitely healed a lot of the doubt that I had in myself, Mm. for sure. And so I think having another birth can be really healing. Therapy can be really healing. Um, The EMDR can be really healing if you have some very specific trauma um, attached to your experience. And talking about it a lot with my husband, I was waking him up constantly in the middle of the night, just crying, like waking up crying out of nowhere. Um, And just talking through it. Why are we upset? What is, what is happening right now? Where am I? I mean, I would replay parts of that birth through and through Mm. my head. And yeah, it was, it was a lot to work through for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, Was there any sort of delayed response for your husband in his own processing of the birth? Because oftentimes I feel like partners are just trying to be so present to the needs of the birthing parent and the baby that they don't often recognize their own trauma with something like that. Yeah, totally. I think he really did feel the burden of just trying to be there for me and be a support for me. And I really don't think he realized the need he had for a home birth until we had Arbor. And the moment we were on the couch after Arbor was born and he just sat there and he was just like, this is amazing. (laughs) You know, all these people here taking care of us and you're just laying here on the couch and you're about to go get in the bed. And I think he didn't really hit him until two years later, you know, we had another experience and he saw how different those experiences were. And Mm -hmm. also the weeks after my second birth, he started to realize, and he often said, you know, this is so much nicer and so much easier. You're so much happier. And there was for sure still some tears after having the most beautiful home birth ever, but, um, that they were normal tears, normal, tired, normal, overwhelmed, you know, having Mm -hmm. two kids trying to give, make sure my toddler gets enough of me tears. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think he, I think he put it down deep inside. And I think there's still some stuff down deep inside. When I was in the hospital, I will always remember this and I love him for this, but you know, in the hospital, as I'm about to sign paperwork for a C-section, he was like, why don't we just leave? (laughs) Like, you know, epidural in my spinal cord, um, you know, on the bed, all these IVs, you know, an OB, you know, trying to get me to go back to the OR. He's like, maybe we should just go. And I'm like, where, where are we going to go? Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. Let's just leave. And I was like, okay. I mean, Aww. and it's so funny when I look back at him saying that, 
that was the best thing he could have said. And like, mm. I should have listened to him. Maybe I should have said, unplug everything. Let's go. Um, but the, yeah, I mean, he, he knew it was wrong too. And he, I think that was his, his way of trying to escape it and fix it. But um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. He's a, he was for sure my biggest support through everything through both births for sure. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing how much like, guilt and shame we carry as moms when anything has to do with our kids when like, you know, even though that was, you know, her birth experience, it was your mm-hmm. birthing experience. And so there is some, there is this added layer of like ownership of, of the experience because it's your body, but also, yeah, it's just even, even down to like, you know, how later on when, when they get older of like, if they are waking up in the middle of the night, somehow we like blame it on ourselves for not having mm-hmm. put them down in time or like, you know, gave them enough food that day or whatever it is. And it's just like, it's a lot, it's a lot to carry. Yeah. And so you saying that reminds me, so in postpartum, but a breastfeeding was really challenging for me at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I remember over and over telling myself, I messed up her birth. I just, I did it so wrong. That was not meant for her. That's not how she was supposed to come to this world. And I s- put all this pressure on myself to breastfeed. I was like, no matter what, I'm going to nurse this baby because that's what's best for her. And I kept telling myself, I messed everything else up, but she's going to nurse and I'm going to hold her all day long and I'm going to do all these things. And I'm going to try to make up for it and I'm going to make it better. And I, d- and we do, we, we, completely do that as moms. We just, we try to put all this pressure on ourselves and really guilt ourselves into fixing things or making things perfect when babies that don't breastfeed are just fine. (laughs) They, they don't have to breastfeed. And then, you know, I did end up breastfeeding, but I breastfed through bleeding nipples and, you know, very, I oversupplied like crazy with scouts. So a lot of engorged breastfeeding and a lot of you know, injuries to my nipples that I probably shouldn't have breastfed through in some days. And so, yeah, for sure. I totally get that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can I just say, you did not mess up her birth. You <laughs> did everything possible that was presented to you. And as you said earlier, it was, it sounded like a really uncommon labor, labor, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. you, you, extended it to the amount that was possible in the environment that you were in, in a, you know, both in a birth center and in a hospital. And I mean, you did, you signed all the things that said, like, I'm wanting it the way that I'm wanting it. That's Mm -hmm. far beyond what a lot of people know, you know, to do. And so you did not mess anything up. You gave the best (gasps) chance, you know, to, to come in the way, you know, that, that, you both may be intended, but mm-hmm. just circumstances is just wasn't possible yeah. after four yeah. hours and 19 hours of being, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, talking about her position, you mentioned maybe it was her position that kind of, did you feel like you were a little bit hypervigilant about or a little bit kind of on it with her positioning and your, with your, sorry, your, with Arbor's pregnancy in preparing for that birth, was that a, a trigger for you or was that something that you were very aware of in your Yes, pregnancy? I was incredibly aware. I prepared for Arbor's birth. Like it was 
a marathon. Mm -hmm. I prepared very differently. I really focused on really good positioning. Um, I did all the things I could do. I did chiropractor care, you know, starting a second trimester and then, you know, every week leading up to her birth. I did a lot of spinning babies at home um, leading up to the birth, a lot of like three sisters work and constantly concerned about her position and really evaluating, you know, where am I feeling her feet? Where am I feeling her head? You know, my midwifery appointments, I would really kind of, okay, can we talk about exactly how she's sitting in there? Because I need her to be in a good position for this to all go the way I want it to go. And even in labor, the positioning was really in my mind too during Mm -hmm. labor because with Scout, she didn't move much. I think she got in a really tight little nook and didn't move a whole lot. And I had the craziest back labor with Scout Mm -hmm. for the whole time. Never was it not back labor. And then with Arbor, the labor started and it was all in my pelvis, all in the front. And I was already like, oh, she's in a great position. This is starting out great. And so it was really in my mind. And during contractions with Arbor, every time I'd have a contraction, I would feel her move. I would feel her like line up and adjust. And I never felt that with Scout. I never felt her kind of work with me and work with the surges. And this second time around, I was so aware and I could feel all of it. And I was just like, we were very much in tune with each other. Mm -hmm. Every contraction, every surge, she would kind of adjust and wiggle. And even my midwife, Beth, you know, she checked heart tones right when she arrived in my home. And then when she checked them much later on, she was like, oh, you you know, she lined right up. She went right, you know, away and like got in the most perfect spot to come down and out. And I feel like Arbor knew I needed her to do that. And I Mm -hmm. feel like she very much was like, I'm going to get in the best spot for you to make this as easy as possible for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think it was just, she knew I needed it. She knew she could feel all the preparation I was doing Mm -hmm. in, in pregnancy and really worked with me in labor and it turned out really wonderfully. <laughs> mm-hmm. so happy. Yeah. Um, and so you feel like this preparation was different than how you prepared for Scout. Like you didn't do body work or, or anything like that with Scout. No, not really. I did. I did a lot of prenatal yoga. I was really active with Scout's pregnancy, which is kind of opposite for Arbor's pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of um, nausea and vomiting with both babies. Mm-hmm. With Scout, I was sick to like 26 weeks. But once I hit that 26 week mark, I was like ready to party and work out. And I was, you know, when I went to labor with Scout, I went on like a three hour hike and took an aerobic swim class. And with Arbor, I was definitely, I was sick all the way till the day she was born and um, vomiting every day. So I just didn't have that in me, but I did all of these other things. I did the chiropractor. I did the spinning babies. I did a lot of perineal stretching that I did not do with Scout um, because I felt like I held a lot of my trauma around pushing. And so when I got pregnant with Arbor, my mind was like, whatever I need to do so that push, I set myself up for the best pushing. Mm -hmm. And I in no way believe that perineal stretching does anything. (laughs) There's no, we have no evidence that says perineal stretching either in pregnancy or during your birth, when you're actually pushing, makes your baby come out any faster or better or tears less. And so it was all mental for me. The preparation in pregnancy was really mental driven. And even the chiropractor, like, I was like, I don't know what this is doing, but you know, I kept saying, I'm just going to do everything. And I think a lot of VBAC moms probably feel this way. Mm. 
at least I did, that I was going to do everything I could to set myself up for the best birth possible. And if I ended up transferring to the hospital and ended up having another C-section, then I can tell myself I did everything. I did all of the things I could do, you know, to, to get her in the best position to, you know, make my perineum as stretchy as possible to do whatever I could. And so I was just trying to, to really protect my own mind and protect my own self in that I wouldn't feel like, Oh, I should have done this differently. And so there was a lot of, you know, I stretched every night. I um, put barrage oil near my cervix every night around 36 weeks. I did the, the chiropractor. I did a little bit of prenatal yoga. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it just, it's different for everyone. And all of those things could have helped and they probably didn't do much help, you know? And so we'll see. <laughs> Pushing mm-hmm. went really well this time around. So maybe it helped. I don't know. There's no way to know. Mm-hmm. It's all of these. It's like, what ifs again that, you know, mm-hmm. you'll never know. You'll never know. It was all for me, mental prep. And that's the piece that it's like, you have to, at some point, just, it's like, you can check all the boxes. And then at some point you just have to like drop the reins and see what happens. But as long as you feel like you can check all, like you feel like you really checked all those boxes, you are left with those what ifs a little bit you're, you're left with them feeling just more kind of at peace than, yeah, feeling the, the grief around that. But at what point do you, f- I mean, it sounds like you were doing the therapy through um, Arbor's pregnancy from Scout's birth. So that probably was helping with your mm-hmm. mental prep as well. But um, at what point did you feel like, you know, what, what, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. And like, I'm okay. Was that like when labor started or, you know, in the pregnancy? Yeah, I think it was when labor started. I was having a really, I had the weeks before I went into labor. She's here listening to us talking to her. I was waking up. Um, I, yeah, it was right up to the end, right up to labor started. I had a few like very, big anxious kind of panic moments the weeks before I went into labor kind of panicking about you know like did I do enough did I you know stretch enough did I go to the chiropractor enough like is this gonna work out I put so much pressure on myself um put so so much pressure on myself to make the birth go as good as it could that (laughs) Arbor has something to tell everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, you want some milk here. And um, here we go. There we go. There you go, sweet There you go. Um, yeah, so the buildup was really intense. And um, I just, I was not confident in myself. And it's funny, I would like tell my husband like, I'm freaking out about doing this. Like I'm terrified of the pain. I'm terrified of how hard it's going to be. Like I didn't have to push a baby out of my vagina the first time. Like this is really scary. And I got really scared those last few weeks and I would lay down on the floor of my shower and like really check out. And I also something, another thing I should mention is I did hypnobirthing this time around, which really helped me cope with that anxiety that I had building up to the birth and in labor too. And um, Steve would like put on a track for me and just let me just really check out and try to just really calm myself. And, um, yeah, I put a lot of pressure 
for me to have this very re- healing home birth. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted it, but it was a lot of pressure and it was really mm-hmm. intense at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in labor, I even uh, my midwife checked me one time in labor and it was um, by my request. She never asked me to check me. I asked her to be checked because I really just needed some information. Mm-hmm. And um, when she checked me, I was like about, I was about to, escape again. I really thought about it for like 10 minutes. I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And, um, I really had to make a choice in that moment. And the choices were to stay and keep going and to maybe find a different position or whatever it might be, or to, um, go back to the, go to the hospital again. I had a moment. I'm like, I told my husband, Steve, I was like, this is really hard. And I, and I was only four centimeters and that was really discouraging. And there was a moment of wanting to flight again and go to the hospital and get another epidural and just hope it went differently. But, um, he, on the other side of the shower at that point was like, not a chance. <laughs> you're staying in there. <laughs> he's like, Don't even think that way. Like you're fine. <laughs> oh my God. Um, he's like, no way lady. And so, um, at that point in labor, you know, I was like, okay, so I'm going to just do something differently. And I ended up moving positions. And when I moved positions, like Arbor knew the whole time, she knew way more than I did. And I moved positions and, the intensity skyrocketed in that moment. And, um, she was born two hours later. So it was, you know, I was four centimeters doubting myself, kind of having a very similar moment as the first birth of like being really scared and like, I don't know if I can actually do this. And an epidural sounds so great right now. (laughs) I think a lot of home birth moms would love an epidural at home. And, um, that's the perfect, that would be the perfect scenario. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I had that moment again of, wanting to go to the hospital, wanting to check out, not trusting myself. And um, thankfully I made a different choice in that moment because that moment that, that passed, everything got in way more intense. And uh, my sister, who was also my doula said all of the right things at that moment. She's sitting also right outside the shower. And she said, you know, you know what this intensity means, you know, this is, you're not, you know, having a hard time catching your breath in between surges. And I wasn't even getting a break in between surges anymore. And she's like, you know what this means, you know, this is the end. Mm -hmm. And those were like, just those words and her reminding me like you, you already know this, you know what this is happening and you can feel it and just stay in your zone. And, um, yeah. And the hypnobirthing and the, the, the way hypnobirthing works is a lot of like counting for your surges. And I found that so incredibly helpful for me to kind of just con I was counting all the way until pushing, you know, just inhales and exhales. And that really got me through it um, at the end for sure. And during that transition. Yeah. Cause I, I went fast at the end. Yeah. And that's, it's so interesting that you've, that it came up at four centimeters. Cause I would say for, for when you're giving birth the second time, that is kind of your transition. It's when things are getting into active labor, but active labor is like non-existent for, it's just like early and then transition and then pushing. You yeah. Know? So it's interesting that that four centimeters is where you felt it again, even though that number must have felt like, oh, Jesus, like, you know, we still have a long ways to go. Yeah. But it, oh, yeah. 
the point that like you, your midwife should have been there and like that's a perfect time because that's yeah. when things are ramping up and um, yeah, that's amazing. So what did pushing feel like with, with, with her coming down in your vaginal canal and what was that like for the first time? It was, it was the most intense feeling I've ever felt. And so hard, but also it was like, so incredible. I didn't get to like really full on get to do that the first time around. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, so she, so she checked me at four centimeters, everybody went to go rest and surges immediately picked up. And then, um, at one point I said, I need to, I would like to go sit on the toilet or go get in the pool. I need to do something different. And I went to go get in the pool in my living room because I was in the shower the whole time. And I went to go sit um, in the pool. And then I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it to that pool. So I went to the toilet and I sat on the toilet and I immediately started feeling like pushing urges. And I was really doubting it. I was like, I just got checked. Like, I feel like that just checked. That just, just happened. There's no way I'm pushing. And so I told my sister, I was like, I'm just going to the bathroom. I'm just pooping. And then, you know, maybe clearing some space for her. And then it got so intense. And I looked at my sister and I was like, no, I'm, I think I'm pushing now. Like we should tell Beth that I'm pushing, just let her know that I'm pushing. And I don't know if that's okay, but I'm doing it and I can't control it. And it's such a crazy feeling because your body just takes over, you know, and it's very different when you have an epidural. Um, and it's very different when you're not doing a really hands-off experience. I feel like, because I was able to just let my body do it. Like, I wasn't pushing like my body was pushing. I was just there for the ride at that point, you know, from the moment pushing started and I pushed for about 36 minutes and um, which compared to my first experience, it was like a dream. It felt like 10 minutes. Cause I felt like I pushed a few times on the toilet. I raced to the tub and she came out, but um, yeah, it was such a mind blowing moment of just being like, I looked at my sister in the eyes and I was like, I can't control this. Like my body's just doing it. It's so incredible because Arbor just got lined up so perfectly. And, um, she knew that she needed to be in the perfect spot and I could feel everything, every push, I could feel her move and I could feel her body line up and her spine and her, and like her tummy kind of shape out and go centered. And then I could feel her head like curl under and I could feel it scooping into my pelvis and I could just feel everything. And it was so awesome mm -hmm. and so intense, but so awesome. And, um, I pushed for a little while on the toilet and which was perfect because you often, you know, clear out while you do while you're pushing, especially in the beginning, which was wonderful. And then my midwife was like, so, you know, I'm not going to check you or anything, but if you want to go to the pool, I think we need to, if you want to have your baby in the pool, we should probably go do that. And in my head, I was like, there's no way, you know, I just started pushing <laughs> and I kept checking myself, which I actually implore um, birthing people to do is, to check yourself, know where your baby is, feel your cervix, feel your vaginal canal, because you can really, it just gave me so much momentum. I put, you know, my finger in my vagina and I felt her head right there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can totally do this now. And all those doubts went out the window and I felt how close she was and I could rub her head. And, um, yeah, so that moment I was like, oh, okay, I do need to go to the pool. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I was like, you're right. And she's like, yeah, no, you're going to either have a baby on the toilet shortly, or we're going to race to the pool and you're going to have that water birth that we talked about. And I raced to the pool and we, um, I pushed for just like, I think another 10 minutes in the pool 
10, 15 minutes maybe. And um, yeah. And then I ended up having her in the pool and, you know, that birth that I talked to you about with scout that I so desperately wanted, I got to have, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I, um, nobody was near me, you know, the midwife had a mirror nearby and a light so she could kind of help, you know, just so she could see what was happening, but she never once touched me. She never once touched my perineum. She didn't touch my baby. And, um, I kind of had all of the control and I have a really lovely phone video that my sister took and I was kind of telling everyone what was happening instead of the other way around, which is kind of how birth generally goes is, you know, your baby's head's being born, you're crowning, you know, your, your perineum stretching so lovely. Like I was telling everyone that that was happening. I was saying how close she was. I was saying she's right there. I was saying I was crowning um, when I started to crown and I delivered her head really slowly into my hands. I never once let go of her once her head hit, you know, the end of my canal, I had my hand on her head the whole time and I delivered her head and it was the best thing ever, you know, such a cool feeling. The head was like the easiest part. Like it was, that was easy. The shoulders were easy. The the pushing her out was easy. It was like the leading up to that was was so intense. Mm. Um, I delivered her head into my hands, just how I always wanted to do it with Scout. And um, another really important thing to me was, was really no touching, really hands off in often and not really in home birth. I, I don't see it very frequently, but at hospitals, you don't really usually get a lot of time after the head comes out. They usually just pull out the body. Um, you know, they'll lift up the head, lift down the head, get a shoulder to pop out. Um, there's no really patience or waiting for that next contraction. And that was really important to me. I did not want to force her out. And so her head was born and then we waited for, you know, a contraction, a whole like two and a half minutes until her, until my next contraction for her shoulders to be born. And, um, my midwife just sat there and watched me and everybody just watched. And I, you know, I just kind of had all the power and all the control in that moment. Mm. And I remember very vividly when her head was out, I could, I was rubbing her head and I was just kind of talking internally to myself, like, just stay calm. Like a contraction is going to come. It's going to be totally fine. Everything. This is so normal. This is all very normal because that contraction really took quite a while. Mm-hmm. Everything else. There's sometimes a pretty big gap there to build up for those shoulders, which is just our bodies doing what they need to do. You know, I needed to have a big surge to get her shoulders out. And um, I felt her face in the water and I will forever f- remember that moment I like raised my hand over her nose and over her mouth and I just was like that it just was so Mm -hmm. awesome and lovely such a good feeling and um yeah and then I had the next contraction finally came and her shoulders came out and everybody stayed gave us the space I wanted I wanted it just to be me and my husband and her and they gave us that space um they were nearby you know they gave me a towel for her and they gave us it was all you know very quiet and um and me and my husband just looked at each other and we kept looking at her and then I kept looking at him and looking at her and I was in total shock I think mm-hmm. I and, and it's on video I think I asked Beth well after she had been out on my body like is she out mm-hmm. <laughs> is she mm-hmm. out of my body is this is this it <laughs> and she was like yeah she's out <laughs> you're holding her she's you know she came out screaming the moment she hit the wa- the air she was 
crying and screaming and pinked up perfectly. And there was no question that she was totally perfect and fine. Mm-hmm. And so they let me have that kind of moment of uh, just to ourselves. It was, um, it, it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I don't even, yeah. I don't even think that was your question. <laughs> no, but that, no, it is everything. I mean, I wanted to know, I, I wanted to hear, you know, everything about the birth and yeah. I mean, talk about like reclaiming power and, yeah. you know, and also, you know, Arbor did a lot, but also Scout did a lot for that prep, you know, of opening up mm-hmm. that space, opening up that pelvic floor, you know, and her even yeah. every, it's like, it's like it all helped come to this moment. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. incredible. And yeah. And I had to have scouts birth to have this birth. I exactly. really did. I, I did. I think if I would have had a birth center birth, I don't know that it, this would have happened the way it did. I don't know that it would have been as important to me. I don't know that those moments would have been so big for me. Um, and yeah. And my midwife always told me like, you're going to labor and do this like a second time mom. Like you did, you got all the way, you know, to 10 centimeters, you push, like we're coming, you know, and treating you like a second time mom and like a, like a multip. And I was like, okay, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but it was true. It was very true. Like I labored like a second time mom. I pushed very much like a second time mom. And I think that, was my scariest part was the pushing, but it, it's became such an intuitive thing and being able to feel her and work with her through the pushing was, yeah, it all, it all worked out (laughs) the way it was supposed to. uh, Yeah. And, and speaking of, um, yeah, where was she during all of this and where was your brain in thinking about her and laboring and all that? Yeah. So it was really important for my husband too, for us to have her be a part of it. Um, I wanted her to see, and I think maybe I would have felt differently had she not been a C-section, but I really wanted her to see it. I wanted her to see this baby come out of my vagina and I wanted her to see it in our living room. And I wanted her to see it as something very normal. And, um, so when we had a plan for her to be woken up at some point and we didn't know when that point was going to be, but I started pushing, when I started pushing, Steve immediately was like, I think we need to get a scout up. And, um, cause it was in the middle of the night, like it always is. And, um, he went and woke her up and she sat in the living room with us and watched and she took a couple of little breaks to her room, but she was there the whole time. And, you know, went would run to her room for a little, for a moment, but then come sprinting back out and wanted to be a part of it. And my mom was there and was kind of in charge of Scout. And when Arbor came out, it took maybe 60 seconds and Scout yelled, you know, mama, you did it, (laughs) which is like the best thing ever. Um, And I'm going to really hold back my tears because it's hard to talk through crying, but like she knew I needed it. And she was so, so awesome. She was such a rock star. Mm -hmm. And um, she wanted to get in the pool after (laughs) Arbor came out. And so we took stripped off her clothes and she jumped in the water with us and was, you know, probably overwhelmed, but also just like, she was also so into it and just obsessed with her baby sister right away. And just that mama, you did it was just something like, she didn't know how hard it was for me. You know, I never have talked to her about how traumatizing her birth was, you know, and the therapy I've gone to and the work I've done. She doesn't know any of that, but she does at the same time. She's so, you know, kids, kids know and are far more intuitive than we, than we even realize. And, um, yeah, she was, 
she was a dream, you know, little toddler for sure. And got to be a part of it, which was so important. And I hope people include their kids, their first children and their older children, even, even, you know, their boys in the family, because, um, it's life-changing, you know, I hope it, it changes her perspective and I hope we can look back at those photos and she can see how amazing it was. How old is she? She's two. Wow. She's like two and she's maybe was two in a couple months. Yeah. Cause she was little, but got it. She got it. She totally got it. She kept coming in. And we, when I moved to our, um, my bedroom after birthing the placenta, she, um, she kept saying like, you did it. You did it. That was so hard. You did it. And, you know, we watched leading up to the birth. I watched, I had her watch a lot of birth videos and, um, cause I didn't know how much she was going to see and didn't, I wanted her to be really ready and not to be scared. And, um, we watched a lot of videos, you know, but she, all of those words that came out of her were on her own and mm-hmm. she just, she must've just known. And it was so incredible. Um, yeah, she, she said all the right things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. And how do you feel like postpartum, you know, the dynamic of, of you and Scout and you and Arbor, like after having, after having this very empowering healing experience? Yeah, postpartum this time around is night and day. I mean, recovering from a C-section alone, the physical part of it is really, really hard. And, um, I luckily, I had no tears. I had a very, I would say a very easy pushing experience, a very easy, easy birth. And, um, so the physical part of it really helps because that can really affect you mentally, how much, mm-hmm. you know, discomfort you're in postpartum. And I just kept saying like, I can pick up my baby and I can mm-hmm. nurse in different positions and I could lay on my side. And after Scout's birth, I couldn't lay on my side for a long time because it put so much pressure on one side of my incision. And so all of that physical part of it really affected me in a very positive way mentally that I was just so excited to be able to, you know, co-sleep with my daughter and to lay on my side and to nurse her through the night. And like, you know, from the day she was born, I've been getting more rest than I ever got with Scout and um, just being able to pick her up. And I also feel like I just, just the joy I have from the experience. And I just felt so powerful after and just so like, I can do anything. Like, what should we do? Like, I can do anything now. There's nothing that will ever stand in the way. And um, yeah, it's a really wonderful feeling for sure. Mm. Yeah. And it made me a better mom postpartum for Scout and for Arbor, you know, not having so much emotional baggage so immediately after the birth and just yeah, just having such a healing experience. I was definitely, and I've been a better mom for it for sure. Mm. Yeah. And so for VBAC listeners or those who are planning, you know, to, to do a VBAC and even a mm-hmm. back, you know, did you, what kind of support did you get from other fellow VBACers? Like, did you mm-hmm. find that was really important talking to other people, hearing their experiences, just kind of, you know, um, yeah, gearing yourself up for this experience to like really believe that like it'll it'll work. Like, how did who who did how did you find that community? Yeah, and it is 
And I want to say, unfortunately, it is a huge community. There is a huge community of women who have had C-sections that did not want them. And because of that, there is a lot of community. Um, we have a group here in Los Angeles, the ICANN chapter of, of Los Angeles, that um, I was starting to go to meetings until we had a pandemic. <laughs> I was going mm -hmm. to the in-person meetings where we would all share our stories and talk about things that would help us. Um, and I did, and I was very active and still am in a lot of VBAC support groups online, uh, mostly on Facebook. There's a really wonderful VBAC link group. There's um, VBAC facts group. And there's even a home birth after cesarean group. There's an HBAC group that I was really active in every day during the birth, during the pregnancy, um, reading stories, um, giving advice, you know, suggestions, things that I was doing that I was preparing and um, that community and hearing those stories and listening to those stories were all super beneficial. And I even, and I'm really grateful for it. Um, before I went on my own maternity leave, I attended and photographed multiple home births after C-sections, multiple H-backs mm -hmm. over the summer before I went on maternity leave. And those births were so special to me and I hold them very close and I will always remember them because I rem I would be in that birth and be like, I can do this too. Like you can do this. I can do this. And, um, I really was lucky to have those births and not everybody can do that, but everybody can join these, these support groups and get a lot of support. And I think just listening to these birth stories and, and talking to other moms is hugely beneficial for sure. And finding, you know, I had people at my birth that were not scared of a home birth after C-section because so for some it's scary. And I totally understand that. It, it was scarier for me to go to a hospital mm -hmm. um, than to be at home. I felt like my best chance of VBAC was in my living room. And so um, having people there that were okay with it and felt comfortable with it was really important too. Thank you so much, Allie, for sharing your incredible story and for being so brave and such a badass. And <laughs> you're so welcome. I'm glad to share it. And I hope it inspires people to really explore their options and fight for their VBACs because I know how hard it can be. Yeah. Thank you, Haley. Thanks for listening to Milk Trails. I'm your host and midwife, Haley Oaks. Be sure to visit midwifemilktrails.tumblr.com to access the show's notes, view photographs, or leave your comments. Stay tuned about new episodes by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and tell all your pregnant friends about it. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>